0: Football, yeah, football, yeah. Yeah. Football, yeah. Football. Yeah. football, That's your theme song. That's your theme song. Just football, people yelling football. Just, I mean, song. you, you are, you like are. You like well, that. I avoided last night's game uh, for the preseason to go to the Gopher game. Mackie checked out on the game, but I said the one person in this town who would be dissecting preseason game uh-huh. four in Tennessee. Would be Matthew Collins. I watched
1: every minute the, of it.
0: The the floor, the stage, the patio, whatever,
1: <laughs> the porch is yours. Go ahead. Uh, well, where do you want to start? I mean, the offensive line was intriguing last night because Brett Jones, who they just acquired from the Giants, was playing left guard, and Danny Isidoro was playing center. Now, that doesn't tell me a whole lot other than that Cornelius Edison is not on the team. And if, if you thought that he was going to be an okay starting center, I'm not sure what you were watching. I was told again um, last night he was playing pretty well. I said, no, he's no, not. No, no, he He really wasn't. Um, But I mean, he tried. I mean, yeah. he, he's a guy that if you have on your practice squad, you yes. feel that's okay because he's in case of emergency guy. But I think what we're going to see, it's just my guess, is Brett Jones played the second half at center. And I think he's going to start at center week one. And then Danny Isidora will probably um, not play week one. It'll probably be Tom Compton at left guard. Isidora will be the backup, though. And then when Pat Elfline comes back, you will see Brett Jones move to left guard and Elfline will be the center. That's that's my guess. So that was kind of interesting how they handled that. They had Jones play left guard at first and then switched him to center in the second half.
2: So Brett Jones has kind of become this years Joe Berger in a way where they kind of figure he's going to be sort of the backup to the backup left or he'll he'll be the starting left guard but he's also going to be the backup center.
1: Correct, which okay. is what Nick Easton was and right. you, so you sort of lost two positions there when you lost Nick Easton the starting left guard and the backup center and since Brett Jones has started NFL games at both and is a decent player, he's not as good as Nick Easton, but he is better than Tom Compton, I think by quite a bit so he's gonna have a lot of work to do to catch up with the entire offense but he's been around. He's a guy that could probably do it, and he'll move into that center. And my guess is if he's playing that first week, then Kirk Cousins will make the protection calls. That would be my guess Yes. because it's going to be really tough for him to catch up so fast. Sure. But it can be done. I mean, he's a professional football player. He'll be able to do it. So that was something to take away from last week. And, and so just
0: to be clear, week one, week one uh, odds are very good that Jones starts at center. Isadora backs him up then, yes. which is a clearly worst case. But he could play there if he absolutely had to, if Jones got yes. hurt. Yes, okay. he
1: showed last night that he can play center if they need to. But gotcha. I also wouldn't count out the possibility that they make some other move to get some other offensive lineman. Mm. I mean, there should be no sacred cows when it comes to this offensive <laughs> line. I mean, the fact that they even had to go get Brett Jones would tell you that you know, if they decided we're going to cut Aviant Collins, even though it seemed like they kind of liked him, but if they did that, Oh well, right. I I would be very surprised if they cut Tom Compton because he's so close with Kirk Cousins, and because he has played an NFL game. Compton's a genius. Yeah, that is
0: absolutely genius. Attach yourself to a quarterback who gets rich, and then sign with that team, and be like,
2: (laughs) I don't know what you're
1: gonna do, but 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 I think he would have a job anyway. I think he would have a job anyway. But he's just he's a classic backup offensive lineman. He could play a couple different positions. He could play tackle in a pinch. So. He's likely on the team, but it would not stun me at all if there was a trade made or if somebody else gets cut and the Vikings decide to pick up another offensive lineman. So that was a okay. kind of a takeaway from last night. Uh, Holton Hill had a very up-and-down game last night. He missed a couple of tackles, but he also had a great kick return. He had a great pass that he jumped the route and defended the pass, had a bunch of other tackles. He's uh, on the cusp type of guy on the bubble i don't know which way they're gonna go i think if they cut him there's always a possibility of someone else picking him up who's more of a rebuilding team than the vikings are at the same time he didn't show me a whole lot to make me think oh yeah well at least we saw the flashes you didn't really even see the flashes aside from one kick return and that's i don't think a a huge part of the
2: equation so who last night was in a pretty good position Going into last night, but did themselves like absolutely no favors to make the cuts.
1: Tomorrow. Oh, um, yeah, that, that, that's a, that, that, that's a hard one. I think that probably a Fadi Adenabo. I mean, he had a, a couple of quarterback hits late in the game. He's a guy that was on the edge, but they have so many uh, defensive linemen that he would have probably had to have a monster game to somehow convince them. And, and even then, I don't know if he would be able to do that. He he, kind of comes to mind. Nobody really played all that poorly. I mean, the offense didn't move the ball very well, but they're patching together an offensive line, and you know, they're. they're it just was like, okay, what am I really supposed to take away from this, right? right. Je- Jeff Baddett hasn't been very good. Corey Robertson hasn't been very good. I would say that Brandon Zilstra helped himself out quite a bit. On the other side of the coin of your question, sure. is. Brandon Zilstra needed to show at some point that he could make some plays because he's been good in practice, but he missed the first two preseason games, and then in the third preseason game he didn't do anything. So now I think, especially with an injury to Stacy Coley, that we don't know how long he's going to be out, there's a very good possibility Zilstra is making the team. Two roster questions for you. Uh, number one who's uh
0: who's going to probably lose a job because Sloer is going to make the roster because if i 'm correct last year they kept two quarterbacks not three so that's one that 's one pretty important roster spot that 's going to go to Sloter. and two. If there's any one position group that they're going to um, make their make the official 53 by 3 o'clock tomorrow and then on Sunday go out and make a, a waiver claim, am I correct in saying it's probably receiver?
1: Oh, receiver, definitely. If somebody who's a veteran gets cut who they think then— can come in and help or somebody who stood out to them on tape during preseason with another team I mean it's hard for even me as much of these games as I watch to be watching the fourth quarter of every game but the Vikings have scouts doing that and if there's somebody that they think has potential we might see the 53 come out and then somebody off it right away as they pick somebody up off the waiver wire that has been cut by some other team because maybe they're a lot deeper at receiver than the Vikings are or some veteran that you know got kind of beat out by somebody else but can still uh come in so that that's definitely part of it I'm very interested to see what they do at safety uh Jaron Kurs played the whole game he's a guy that was a Mr. Mankato at one point um but and they bring in George Iloka so now it seems like are you really going to keep five safeties so there, there are some really tough decisions. The defensive line, too. But Kurt is very good on
0: special teams, though, correct? He is, yeah, he so is. So that makes it tough because special teams already look terrible during the preseason. But, but
1: I'm not sure that Curse exactly fits their type of mentality that they have in the locker room. Uh, I, I believe he missed one game for uh, some sort of punishment reasons. And just being around him a little bit, maybe he doesn't quite fit in that same way that you know a George Iloco would. Um, so that's that's one thing. Uh, also, Rock Thomas last night got hurt early in the game. He was playing pretty well to start the game, but then he gets injured. He's another guy where it would be interesting if they decided to keep five running backs. It would mm. be surprising because they usually don't do that. But Thomas and Boone showed a lot during preseason and camp. And you know that first game from Thomas was excellent, but he was also good last night, and he was good uh, against. Uh, Jacksonville too he was one of the players that stood out not quite as much as Boone so they might try to keep them all or or maybe he ends up on the practice squad
2: how big a role is Mike Hughes going to have on the defense we know that we know he's going to be a factor in the return game but how big a role is he going to have in the defense because we know Mike Zimmer in the past doesn 't really like to trust the young guys and throw them out there right away, but how big a role will Mike Hughes have early on
1: it 's possible that he's starting week one because Mackenzie Alexander has been dinged up uh, he 's got an ankle injury, so it wouldn 't surprise me if he 's not able to come back for week one that Hughes is their week one slot corner and i I think like last year you saw Xavier Rhodes limped off a number of times I think he was battling an injury for the entire second half of the season and When it comes to almost any position on on defense, Mike Zimmer, I think, looked at his defense and said, guys got a little more worn down toward the end of the season in a deep playoff run than I wanted them to. So maybe this is where George Iloka helps a little bit, um, and, and then in other areas too where he can come up and play linebacker if they need him to in certain situations to have that flexibility. I think that that's what they're looking at is twofold of, can we give Xavier Rhodes some series off and not get hurt? We probably can. Uh, can we give Alexander a series off? Can, can we limit the amount that we really need Terrence Newman to do? Because Newman, I noticed last night, On the broadcast, they showed Newman, and he had the earpiece in. So he's listening to the coaches. He's basically a coach out there now. Yeah, which is and, awesome. And, which is fa- it's fantastic. It's great, yeah. and if yeah. he's got to come in, he's got to come in. But I think yeah. you'd much rather have Hughes. And then there's always the possibility of different dime packages and things like that where you could have all these guys on the field at the same time yes. on a third and ten or something like that. So I, I think what they've done with Mike Hughes is they've given him a little taste of everything during camp. Here's how you play outside. Here's how you play inside. And he just gives them more versatility and the ability. To give guys a rest if they need it, and you think he's
0: smart as well,
1: correct? I do. The, yes. A- Alexander,
0: yes. I think what they learned in retrospect was he might not have been as willing and/or able to pick up on the nuances of playing inside in the nickel, which is a big deal. Yes. And it sounds like from what you tell me about Hughes, he's sort of the opposite type of personality. So
1: Mike Zimmer and I were having this conversation the other day about players, and it's so it's, it's such a it's such a narrow. It's my job to go. I'd like to talk, talk to Mike too, but that's, he doesn't that's that's return my calls. My, that's we what text I'm, often. You guys pay me to do. <laughs> yeah. is Go on my Android? And talk to... Just, Manny's he Android? Just, he just texted me just right now. Supposed <laughs> <Yeah>. to... Uh, <laughs> like, why I'm here. You don't uh, drink
2: wine with them, Judd? I thought you did that. Uh, I, I wish. I
1: wish
0: I drank wine with Mike.
1: Anyway, so about, like, players who are picking things up and processing things and stuff like that. I mean, it's such a narrow window like you have to almost hit it perfectly if you're a player it's got to be you have to be intelligent enough to understand what's going on but you also have to process it and apply it out on the field and then there's a little bit when you're a younger player especially a high draft pick like alexander was a second round pick that you have to put your ego aside and basically just do what you're told to do because guess what mike zimmer knows more about this than you do so you have to go listen to him instead of dictating to your team what you want to do like you could do in college if you're a superstar college player you could basically say oh i don't want to do that and the coach is like well okay i guess that's how it's going to have to be because you are one of the driving forces of our success well you can't carry that over that set alexander back and mike hughes has been the opposite of that he's been very much a sponge he's been very much willing to take on whatever they've asked him to do and the reviews on how he's picked things up have been very high not only from mike zimmer but also from the other players as well
0: Let's take a break. Let's come back and talk Mr. Mankato because the voting has only begun. The competition is done, but we are not ready to reveal exactly who won, but we will give you an update. It is Judd, it's Manny, it's Collar, it's intern Max at the Minnesota State Fair.
2: The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. So long, losers. On 1500 ESPN. Oh, he is. Soak it in. Mr. Mankato. Let it play. There he is, your training camp hero. All right. It's only one time
1: a year we get this. I
2: know.
0: Thank God. (laughs) I mean, it's too bad it's (laughs) over. All right. Matthew Collar, give us the latest update. All preseason games are done. Training camp is technically long done. Um, Give us the update on where things stand. I I think... We'll talk to Phil. I think we're going to announce this on Tuesday. Okay. But you've put out some uh, fan voting out there. You put out some stuff, so update us.
1: 1,500 votes. A good number, I say. Uh, A voting number. I put it out there last night. Three candidates have risen above the rest. Mike Boone, the running back, Chad Beebe, the wide receiver, and... Kyle J. Slaughter, your guy. Do you John know Zulgad. that? Do you
0: know that his name is? Uh, I don't. Middle initials J.
1: I do not. I have no James, idea. Much like myself, I have no he, idea what he's. He's darn English.
0: near my son, so it would be. Yeah, fitting that's if we true. You guys are very close. You bonded. <laughs> Talked to him for quite
1: a while. And, and and here's how close this race is for Mr. Mankato. Mike Boone is getting 34 percent of the vote. Chad Beebe 34 percent of the vote. Okay. Kyle Slaughter 29 percent of the fan boat and then i also included like a write-in candidate which is only getting three percent so that tells you that boone bb and sloater are by far and away the three favorites here and it's tough but i think kyle sloater for me wrapped it up last night with a couple of fourth quarter comebacks i think that the, the true sign of a mr Mankato is if people out there, fans, start saying you should take someone else's job who's a proven NFL player, that means that you've done it. Like, you have fully Mr. Mankatoed. If now they're saying, Slaughter should be the backup for Trevor Simeon. Like, nope. right? Nope. But no, he is not. Yeah, he is not the backup instead of Trevor Simeon. Uh-huh. But if you can excite the hearts and minds, and souls even, a Vikings fans so much as a guy that was undrafted, who was picked up off the waiver wire last year, has never played in the NFL, and you come into camp and preseason and make people think you're going to take the job of a guy who was a starting quarterback for two years in Denver, you've done it. You've Mr. Mankato
2: Now, does he have an inside track because the quarterback position is... Like the main position that everybody talks about, so he already kinda has an advantage anyway. I
1: would say yes, but we've never had a quarterback win, Mr. Mankato. So clearly Fair point you know, t- Taylor Heineke had his opportunities, but he booted a window and <laughs> broke his foot. The year I and, picked him and, <laughs> and
0: him and uh, Joel
1: Stave. And then last year, you know, he didn't really play all that well. So Where is it, he you know, now?
2: Is he Carolina Uh, Carolina. yeah yeah.
1: so so what we've seen is mostly wide receivers uh some defensive players getting it and a quarterback has not risen to the challenge but if you get a couple of fourth quarter comebacks and exciting running outside the pocket type of plays you get to win Mr. Mankato and I think it's Kyle Sloter. but again we asked Mike Zimmer straight out is he even in competition for the backup with Trevor Simeon? The answer is no. And
0: I don't think he should be. Of course he shouldn't. That's the exact right call.
1: Uh, Two years ago in Denver, Denver, Simeon has them on the cusp of the playoffs in Denver, and he throws 18 touchdowns, 10 picks. He had a solid season as a quarterback in Denver. And then last year, these two guys were in camp together with the Broncos. They start Simeon. They cut Sloater. Like, this is not close between these two guys.
0: (laughs) I would like to introduce some potential controversy to the conversation. Okay. All right. I understand if you're Heineke a couple of years ago and you're out with your buddy Ted to go see a movie and you have three beers and Ted's like, I lock myself out, and you say, don't worry about it. I'll three? Boot, I'll boot this. Okay, 16. <laughs> uh, but And then you and then you you sever your Achilles or something. You're a moron. You're out. I get that. But should BB be punished for the fact that he played really good in the third preseason game and thus couldn't play last night? Because to me, he was, when we left the stadium, Post game, Jacksonville. Yeah, we would have
1: said he. I would. I top. said him. Yeah.
0: Should we? Should he be punished to the extent of being taken out of consideration for missing a game where he was hurt in the act of playing the sport
1: that he loves to play? No, I, I'm going to say BB is still very much in this competition, and if people vote for Chad BB, that's fine because he's kind of the definition of. Uh, a wide receiver that has no shot at making the roster when he gets here. He's the last guy to sign. It's like, okay, this it looks like a favor almost. The the guy's five foot ten. He, he had a career high, I think, of twenty seven catches in a season with Northern Illinois. Yeah, uh, this guy hasn't done anything, and they signed him because they liked a few of his physical traits or something. His quickness, how quick his feet were, and how hard he tried. Like, okay, this is a classic Mr. Mankato story, He's though. He's got
2: some decent genes. But,
1: he does, but he's nowhere close to as fast as his dad. I mean, his his dad ran a four two. He runs like a four five four six. Right. So he's That's not That's mom's even, fault. He's not even super fast. Right. Mom was slow. Mom was slow. So, like, he got the
0: wrong genes.
2: So,
1: so, th- but this is if you are voting for BB, this guy rising above these other wide receivers, rising above Jeff Batted, who runs a four two himself, or above Corey Robertson, who they paid the most money, or even a, I don't think he's ahead of Zilstra, but if he was able to do that, or Tavares King, who's been in the league. That's how we define this: is somebody who we never see it coming, and then they show up. I, if you were going to argue with Slaughter, you would say, "Well, you know, I mean, he he was on the active roster a bit last year, so maybe you could have seen it coming." With B.B., I think it was hard to see coming. I mean, he was the ultimate long shot, yeah. and then he gets nine catches, two touchdowns. Yep. So if you're going to vote for him, I. I'm with you. I, I think that's a that's a totally fair vote instead of Kyle Slaughter.
2: Now, does Mike Boone get a little bit of an, of an advantage because he's probably been the most consistent of the three finalists at this point?
1: I, I, yeah, Boone, his argument would be that he won the the third running back job. And he had some exciting plays. He had a 46-yard catch. He had some broken tackles. He didn't get a whole lot of help from the offensive line and, and, and broke some tackles last night. And he did against the, the Jaguars and had a good game. The only thing I would say about Boone is, uh, you know, I, I mean, it wasn't like it, totally set our hair on fire when right. he did. I mean, he was, he was an underdog guy, but also had a chance from the very beginning. As soon as they brought him into minicamp, it was like, okay, well, this guy could probably be the third running back, and there's only one other, two other players he's competing with. Mac Brown was out of this competition pretty early, especially since he got hurt, and so it's really been just one of the two, so he was going to get a lot of opportunity regardless. That would be your argument against him. Your argument for him is he was really good. Uh, but I, I think it's kind of between the other two. But, I mean, Boone showed the potential that he has, which is also part of it. All because right. some of our Mr. Yep. Mankato guys, like if it's Slaughter or B.B., don't plan on seeing these guys really make anything of themselves in the NFL. Okay? Well, I think Slaughter might someday. I'd be really surprised. So if wow. it's if I know I know he's, why are you being so negative? I know him? that he's your adopted son. It's developmental. It's the plan. fourth string that he's beating last I, night. I
0: understand that, but you got to because start I somewhere. watched him
1: every day in practice. Breaking it, Matthew
2: Collar hates yes, Kyle Slaughter. hates Sloater. Kyle
1: Slaughter because I, I watched both of them every day in practice, him and Simeon, and it was not close. Yeah, no, Like Slater Simeon is much, much, much Slater's better. Slaughter's
0: slow cooking in the microwave. Oh my gosh. This is a process.
1: With BB too, he might be Understand he you. might be a special teams guy that eventually gets a chance, but it's pretty unlikely that he's becoming a quality NFL player. I think with Mike Boone, that he has a chance of being a starting running back somewhere someday. He could follow the Jarek McKinnon path of being a role player for a few years and have a long career in the NFL. Say with Washington, I mean potentially, and but maybe I, a cut Adrian But Peterson? I mean, they're, they're not gonna <laughs> they're not gonna cut him though. They're gonna keep him. So I know so. If you're if you're factoring that in yep. the potential of the player yep. into your Mr. Mankato vote, Mike Boone has your vote because he's got the yeah, highest potential. Don't factor potential. that. In.
0: Don't fact. You don't factor, don't that, factor in? that in. I not think not some people bit. can. No, 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 no. I, I factor what I, would, I saw.
1: I would not discount anyone who so, factored that in. So people can continue to vote, correct? Yes. This vote will stay uh, active eight, through the weekend. Eight more hours.
0: Okay. All right. And then we will. I believe we will announce the uh, official. Winner of Mister Mankato on Tuesday, Collar. Who do you think um, among the players who went to training camp, who they either signed as undrafted or brought in, who do you think the biggest disappointment has been or was? Like who who do you think they thought this guy could be something, and then you watch the practice and you're like, yeah, he ain't gonna be anything.
1: Well, so the answer could be a guy that makes the team, and I think it's Holton Hill. I think we expect he was rated number one by Todd McShay of all undrafted free agents. And I think that we expected, okay, he's going to come in and actually be a player as long as he could stay away from the weed, that that was really the big issue with him. But then he's looked a little bit out of his depth when he's been actually in the game. And he hasn't looked like he had the explosion that he had at Texas because he looks like he's just a little bit behind. But he's tall and he's fast and he's got a, the potential and the, the build that they like. So it's possible that he could both be a massive disappointment as the way he played in training camp and practice and also make the roster based on his potential because they don't want anyone else to pick him up. So there's, there's him and also Corey Robertson, the wide receiver, I mean, you would have thought, oh, okay, this guy had big numbers in college, and they paid him more than any of the other receivers. Yep. That's usually an indicator if they like somebody. He got his first catch in the fourth preseason game. It was just a complete no show wow. from camp all the way through. Was he through. just not good, or was he just he? wasn't good? He just couldn't create separation. He dropped a lot of passes. So he's cut in practice. So he's done. Oh yeah, yeah he's, he's like got a no, shot. no. He's like a no doubter, and he I don't even. I don't even think he makes the practice squad. Oh wow. wow. Yeah, I, I don't oh. think he has much of a shot. We, and, we and,
0: misjudged that one. No.
1: Yeah. The scouts, a little bit. The scouts. Yeah. A little they're bit. In trouble. <laughs> it's a, it, it's, I'm gonna fire a scout for this. It's a. It's a hard job. It's a hard job. Um. But you know, I mean, they also they go out and sign two proven wide receivers in Tavares King and Kendall Wright, and neither one of those guys did anything in preseason or camp either. And I think Kendall Wright makes the roster based on just how poorly everyone else played. But if anybody had stepped up, if anybody had all of a sudden shown up like Stephon Diggs did as a fifth-round pick a few years ago, Kendall Wright probably would be out of here. And that that just kind of tells you that it's been really disappointing, and it also tells you this, that... You need Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen and Kyle Rudolph and Delvin Cook to all be healthy the whole year. Mm. If you're going to be a, a Super Bowl team, that's what you need. And that's a that's wow. a lot to ask. Because beyond that, now Latavius Murray could fill in and Mike Boone okay. But, but Treadwell but, but but next what, right, receiver, right? the next guy up at receiver. Right. Treadwell's yeah. the next guy up at receiver. And what Cook can do is so much different and more vast than what Latavius Murray can do.
0: I think if if Cook gets hurt, that's, bad, that's just bad luck. And, yeah. and I put him on a huge year. The receiver, the lack of depth there is on them. Like, And I'm not, say, I'm not saying that if Thielen gets hurt, the next guy sh- should be as good as he is because he's not going to be. But I think there is an eye-opening lack of depth where you're like, yeah, man, I thought you guys would at least have something behind those two star
1: receivers. So <laughs> if,
2: if one of those guys, if Thielen or Diggs get hurt, could we be looking around and potentially saying we missed Jarius Wright?
1: Oh, yeah, Perhaps. no, I, I, I think that that's been quite evident in this training camp how much they miss Jarius, right? And even though he I mean, he's not a big name by any means, he he's was very a guy reliable. He had 17 catches last year, and 13 of them were on third down.: They didn't appreciate like that, him. They never appreciated him.: They never really did. He was a guy that could line up in the slot and get open. I, yep. I think that the issue was they felt he had to be in the slot, so he could only really do one thing and wasn't a special teamer, but then they went out and signed another guy who has, is a worse version. Right. I think Kendall Wright is a worse version of Jerry's Wright. Even though he had more catches in Chicago last year, he was like their only receiver. So I, I do think that they tried to solve that problem by getting a guy who was proven. It's just that when he's actually been out on the field, Wright hasn't done a thing. And he and, can't play
0: special teams, you said.
1: And he can't play special teams. But I, he, he will be there. I, I think that what I'm coming away with, though, is With this whole team on defense, they made a nice effort to improve their depth. To where Stephen Weatherly played so well in this preseason yep. and Tashawn Bauer showed some and Jaleel Johnson showed some that I, I think that the concern about the health of the defensive line is a little less than it was and especially the safeties and corners you have great depth there. Eric Wilson played well. You now feel like the defensive depth is much better than you did when preseason started yep. but on the offensive side you feel worse about it. All I know is that there's a veteran linebacker out there
0: on the open market who's not going to be going to trial for a little white collar crime until probably Probably next summer
1: and he intrigues me i i don't hate the michael kendrick's idea i don't know if they'll do it i don't know if well, they'll circle my back. question is will really de- step it re-
0: in and suspend him? well
1: right and, and it really depends on what his situation actually is like is is he going to be like in court or something i mean what just tell the feds what they want to know tell the feds <laughs> right. sell everybody and and their brother out oh, man. tell the feds exactly hey, what michael, they want just
2: tell them everything and then, no, and then
0: mean? sign with the Vikings. We'll put an ankle bracelet on you. You'll live with Eric. You'll be on a work release program. <laughs> this works. If you moved heaven and earth for Michael Floyd,
1: what, what you're ta- as you said? Yeah. Then right. I'm going to do
0: it for this guy. What
1: you're talking about? If people don't know that Michael Kendrick's, Eric Kendrick's brother, was released by the Cleveland Browns because he was involved in a scandal with. Not, not money laundering, what was it, the um, insider, trading. insider trading. And he didn't tell the, the Browns. He did, so tell, he
0: did tell them some things. They admit now that they knew something. Oh, okay. I don't
1: think they thought
0: the charges were coming down the pike okay, this quickly. Okay.
1: So I, I got the <laughs> sense from reports that they didn't have I can't a, a wait clue. for Hard
0: Knocks next Tuesday. Oh. I know. Hard Knocks yeah, next Tuesday. Be wild. Yeah, how are they be gonna, really how is Hugh Jackson going to explain this one? Yeah, my guy got busted. Oh, he got a Dewey? Oh, no, just a little insider trading. Yeah. You know what that will be, though.
2: It will just be at the start of the episode, it will be, Linebacker Michael Kendricks was released. Do you you know what I want desperately?
0: (laughs) I want, and if HBO does their job here, it's going to be glorious. Greg Williams' reaction when they explain to the defensive coordinator of the Browns, who's never met an F-bomb he doesn't like, (laughs) when they explain to him, you've lost Michael Kendricks, why the bleep did I
1: lose him? Insider trading. What the? Oh, it'll be, and, uh, it'll be great. My understanding is that Michael Kendricks made $1.2 million out of $80,000. You're correct. And uh, yeah, it was really interesting in his statement where he said something to the effect of like, oh, I, I mean, the money wasn't really for me or something. I was like, okay. Or, or I, didn't, I didn't take the money. Like, Sure you didn't. Uh, okay, I, I, I yeah. did nothing. No, I, I didn't do. I didn't do anything really wrong. But you're right. This is going to be like the end of uh, Goodfellas, where the lawyer is defining what a rat is. And Henry, you know, I was like, Kendrick, no, so sir, I'm not a rat. We took it's,
0: everything. It's we a, bought but, off judges, cops, all the. And the end of Goodfellas is so. Good. Yeah. So so maybe maybe
1: right. it does. But. That aside, whatever punishment he's going to face, you're right that it won't come down for a while. Oh. And they were very interested in Michael Kendrick. It's just, I don't know if they want to bring that drama on themselves. You get him up at a podium once, and
0: he says, I can't say much, I'm sorry, and that's it. Yeah. I don't it's think there's a lot of drama, because and and here's why. It's a boring crime. Yeah, you're right. You're like right. I'm in the media, I
1: don't care. Yeah, it's not scandal. It's a white
0: collar crime. Yep. I mean, he's gonna go play squash in a couple of years or
2: something instead yeah. of in spaghetti jail. and meatballs. I got egg noodles. Yeah. And I mean, ketchup.
0: if you <laughs> exactly, uh, we we have done a half hour Viking talk and we have not mentioned the kicker yet. We're going oh to rectify gosh. that when we come back from the state fair. All right, back from the State Fair. Mackie and Judd right now is uh, Judd, Manny Hill, Matthew Collar. Intern Max all out here. Garage Logic coming up at 1 o'clock. All right, I got to ask you about it. Daniel Carlson, two for two last night. Should I calm down, Matthew Collar?
1: Uh, Yes, Judd. You should calm down about the kicker, but I don't think that's going to change any way you actually look at it. If I tell you to calm down about the kicker, I don't think you're going to actually calm I just Judd down. is going to be to breaking
2: down every every yeah. extra point that Daniel Carlson kicks yes. for this entire so, season. If here, it goes just a little bit left even if it's good, if it just grazes the upright, Judd's going to lose his mind.
1: Here here's my question though, Judd, when are we going to get you kicking a field goal? I'll do that
0: because more and more the Judd Athlete Challenges it's are tur- turning into ideas about how can we potentially kill Judd? Yeah, right. You right. <laughs> should jump out of a plane. Correct. That's an athlete yeah. challenge. No, yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's, go bungee jumping. That's, yeah, no, go no, that's me it.
1: dying, and that's a bad idea. Rock but yes, I'll be, be one.
0: I'll be, no, I'll be happy to, to go kick a field goal.
1: Okay, so when we do it, does one of us have to hold it for you? It's up Or to you do guys. you get a tee? It's up to you guys. Get to a make it. It is rules. easier, but I also feel like we I'll, have to help him out a little. I'll play and by it the has rules.
2: To be a twenty-seven yard. Oh yes, hundred percent. It it has has twenty-seven be 27 yards. yards.
0: How many practice uh, chances do I get? Well, so yeah, I
1: mean you could go practice. I say you get. It won't matter. You get. Well, say you, matter. get you get, <laughs> you get Thanks, maybe Murph. like five kicks. Okay. Can you make one from twenty seven? I don't think I we'll should do
0: that. I don't think I should be allowed to practice uh beforehand, but I think I should get a couple of warm up chances. Okay. And yeah. then and then sure. have to kick it.
1: Like you should we should get one of those nets that they kick into on the oh, side yeah, to get a warm up kicking net.
2: I think we should <laughs> take it a step further. Not only should it be twenty seven yards, we should wait till it's like late December and really, really <laughs> cold. Yeah. In cold, once wintry again, conditions. Once again,
1: people are trying to hurt uh, me Yeah, now. That's, that's right. <laughs> this uh, is supposed to be fun. To your point, Judd, though, about the Minnesota Vikings kicker and not you, yeah. uh, I wouldn't put myself in the category of being extremely confident in Daniel Carlson. I don't know how you could be because he's a rookie and you just don't know how he's going to handle the real games. I do know that he needed last night pretty bad. He needed to nail him right down the middle, feel a little bit better going into the regular season. And then I think just because it's the Vikings and they have the history that they have and Zimmer has so little patience, you'll appreciate this, Judd. Last night on the broadcast, Zimmer did an interview on the sideline and he said, oh, I was glad the kicker made it. <laughs> just,
0: oh, he's got no, he no had, time. He just had to. <laughs> and I think those are all shots at Rick, too.
1: And his, his impatience for the kicking position yep. uh, would mean it's a week-to-week thing, I think, for Daniel Carlson. I know they spent assets on it, but Ooh. it's if he struggles at all, they're not going to have a whole lot of patience in him. It's just he is a very talented kicker, though. I mean, there's a reason he won the competition that goes beyond just oh he was a draft pick i mean he has got a monster leg he was just as accurate or even more than kai forbath through the preseason until that one game so there's a reason they have him here now it's going to be about facing a level of pressure that he's never faced before and that's hard for us to predict maybe he's great last year the super bowl winning kicker was a rookie so you never know how somebody's going to react to that type of pressure
0: season starts a week from sunday 49ers at u.s bank stadium that close to the season now. Kyle Soder on the centers, starting what should, quarterback. What should our <laughs> what
1: should our realistic
0: expectations be for Kirk Cousins now? Uh
1: for the whole season or week
0: 1? Season. For the season. Yeah, not just week 1, but the but now but now that we're this close and that he's been through an entire training camp and he's worked in this offense, what should our expectations be for the season? So I
1: think I, think, I think with Kirk Cousins there's two different ways to look at it. There is the one way where you would say, what are, what are the type of numbers he should be putting up? Should he be a pro bowler? Should he be throwing for 4,000 yards? Should you draft him high in your fantasy league? That's one conversation. The other conversation is, how many wins does he end up with? And I know you guys were talking baseball and and wins and just how ridiculous the stat is for pitchers. And for quarterbacks, it can be tricky, too, because sometimes a guy gets a bunch of wins that wasn't even that good. Kerry Collins won 12 games once with Tennessee, and he didn't even have a good season. They were just a great team.
2: Blake Bortles won 10 games last year.
1: Exactly. And he's the last quarterback in the league that I would take at this moment is Blake Bortles. So that's, it's tricky, but that's the only way that Cousins is going to be judged by everyone, by his teammates, by the fans. They're not going to care. He could throw for 2,000 yards, but if they win 10 games or 11 games or they're in the playoffs, then that's all that's going to matter. I think with as difficult as the NFC is, it's all about playoffs. Can you get into the playoffs? It doesn't matter if you win your division. You just have to be in that dance. And then I, I think he's got to win a playoff game. I think he has to do exactly what Case Keenum did at very minimum to get you back to that same doorstep of the Super Bowl. Yep. Or you know, it might be a wild card game, but you've gotta have a playoff win for Cousins. I think that's the only way he's gonna be judged by everyone here. I, I don't think anyone's gonna be Googling his stats and be like, no, actually it was pretty it was pretty good. Like it doesn't that doesn't matter anymore. That's that's Washington way of looking at it of oh he threw for four thousand yards, so he, it must have been his team. Well we know it's not his team. It's going to be whether he can actually win games or not.
2: Are we going to see a lot of two tight end sets with this offense? Because, you know, with with DeFilippo, everybody looks at how the how the Eagles' offense looked last year, and they had so many two tight end sets with Ertz and Trey Burton. Well, those two guys are really really good. Yep. And the Vikings have Kyle Rudolph, who's solid and reliable. And then the number two tight end is whoever. Are we going to see a lot of two tight end sets with this offense?
1: So my understanding of this offense is that they are going to try to have everything start with Delvin Cook and then work off of that. Okay. So when it comes to bringing in a couple tight ends or however it's going to be, whatever creative sets they're going to use, it's going to be how can we give a run look, especially on first and second down, how can we make them very concerned that we're going to run the ball and then throw it? And that has been think about the the coaches that Kirk Cousins has had in the past. Guys who are brilliant at dialing up play action and brilliant at making things look like they're gonna be a run but actually have it be a pass, or have the defense just not really sure which one is coming. That's gonna be the key for John D. Flippo. Now he is I think an extremely smart guy. I had a really good conversation with him the other day, and I came away with thinking this guy knows everything there is to know about the game, and he's on that same sort of younger, exciting level of, of progressive-type offensive coordinators that are drawing from a ton of different bags through history. Today's offensive coordinators have access to so much knowledge with, with the Internet that it's not like, oh, this guy invented his kind of offense. Like they're drawing from everything. And John D. Filippo is in that category. I think that's why they hired him. So now it's going to be just for him making the most of what Kirk Cousins does best. And he's great in that play action, which is why it's so vital that Delvin Cook is the same guy he was last year.
2: So Vikings fans can rest assured that they won't see with questions on the offensive line we won't see seven step drops by kirk <laughs> no 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 okay,
1: no you're good. not you're not going to see that <laughs> that'll be in carolina <laughs> yeah cam newton now wouldn't it be funny though really if creative. all of a sudden norv turner completely flipped on the switch and was the most creative <laughs> offensive coordinator in the league would not that be like
0: what <laughs> yeah Where i don't have, have to worry yeah. about that really happening yeah. uh, I, don't, I, don't I don't think, think it's you going to be concerned either. about that all right let's come back and uh, wrap things up before we turn it over to gl we are at state fair
2: Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Just hold your ass right there. On 1500 ESPN. I listen to the sweetest accordion I've ever heard. The great Minnesota get-together on 1500 ESPN.
0: All right, final segment from the uh, State Fair Mackie and Judd uh, today. Right now, at least, is Zolgad, Manny Hill, and Matthew Collar, intern Max, along for the ride out here. James Murphy done a great job this week uh, producing back in studio. Uh... Matthew, to backtrack on your cousin's point, now that you have been around him quite a bit in a football environment and talked to him some, when you talk about, because you're you're right, the pressure is, I mean, he wasn't brought here to be good. He was brought here because, unlike Case, we, we think that you can get us to a Super Bowl uh, for the first time since the year 1977 and that you can actually win one for a franchise that's been here since 1961 and doesn't have one. What's your sense of how he's going to process this? Because you're right. I mean, he could have a great statistical season, but if you go out in the first round of the playoffs, I think we're all going to say, okay, that was fine, but it's not. it was not even close to the ultimate goal.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, and, and that's the... The challenge that Kirk Cousins is facing is that this is very different from anything he's ever gone up against before. That he's always been the underdog, even even if that's not really true. Like in life, like he's got a good family, and it's not like he had things like super tough or anything like Teddy did growing up or or whatever. But I mean, as far as just from a football context, a guy that wasn't super highly recruited, went to a very good school, but was not a high draft pick, and had to fight his way all the way up to become a starter. He got benched at one point in washington in 2014 in favor of colt mccoy and then he worked his way through it and he out outdid expectations by a lot so he's always been that guy that nobody believed in he could always make that argument for himself and now it's an entire minnesota vikings franchise saying we believe in you as our true face of the franchise quarterback and oh by the way we're supposed to be in the super bowl this year or it's a disappointment that is so much different than it was when he was in Washington, D.C., I have no idea how he's going to react to that. But you already see some of the signs of him feeling a different kind of pressure. After the third preseason game, he came out and read a list of all the things that he had done wrong in the game, which was very bizarre, and I've never seen that before. So, he, and, and he also, in the, I think after the second preseason game, kind of gave a snap answer to somebody who asked about high expectations and things like that. And so it's like you could tell that he feels it coming, but how is he going to deal with that as the ups and downs go? And, and I've thought this about the whole team. Whether they actually make it or not, because the NFC is so tough, is going to be how they handle the downs. If they lose three out of four at one point during the season, does that crush them or do they you know, carry on through that? I mean, we, we saw that with Bridgewater 2015 where they hit bumps along the way. People got hurt. They had that terrible week one game in San Francisco, and he was just the same guy all the way through. Now, how is that going to be when it comes to Kirk Cousins, especially if they lose two games in a row? All the national media will talk about this team because this team is the, the talk of the NFL this year, one of, the, one of the probably top five teams. That's very different from anything that Kirk Cousins has had before.
2: We know... That in the NFL, there's always, you know, there's always going to be injuries. Every team has to deal with it. But does this team have enough? And I'm talking about the entire 53-man roster. Do they have enough to withstand a couple of injuries and still have people saying, okay, they're going to be okay? Because last year, we know defensively, they didn't have really any injuries. We know yep. Everson Griffin yep. had the foot thing later later in the season, but for the most part, the defense was healthy all year. Do they have enough? overall to make you say, okay, if they have a couple of big injuries, if they lose a couple guys for the year, that they can still be okay?
1: So a few weeks ago on defense, I would have said they have not enough depth. But getting George Iloka in here and then the development of some of the other players, Mike Hughes being mm-hmm. one of them, and also Eric Wilson, the, the linebacker, couple of the defensive ends, now I feel like at almost any position they could survive an injury here or there. It's just on the offensive side, with an offensive line that is already – really, really shaky, It's you lose one of those skill players because that, that's what they're really hoping for is that the skill players, Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, Delvin Cook, and Kyle Rudolph can really make up for some of the shortcomings of the offensive line. But if the offensive line is dinged up and they lose any of those guys...
2: Because they've already lost one with Nick Easton getting hurt. He right. was already, like, yeah. one and, and you major see, injury. And you
1: see how losing one offensive lineman sent them into a tizzy of right. trying to go out and trade for some guy from the Giants who didn't even have a good offensive line last year. So you see how short they are at depth of the offensive line. But that kind of goes across the board. Almost every team is short on depth of the offensive line. Right. But when it comes to the receivers, if Stephon Diggs is out for three weeks and Laquan Treadwell has to fill that in... I can't say that I'm very confident it's going to be the same thing. It's not even going to be close, and that that's where I would say there is some concern. But you, it's really hard to predict any of those things how they're yeah. going to how they're going to go. Uh, and I would say for any team that doesn't have Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees, it's probably true that if you lose some key players, you're not going to be in the race. And with this year in the NFC, there just is not a whole lot of room for error. Yeah. That's that's the one thing that should have you nervous is just. There are so many good teams in their conference that if something goes wrong, it's going to be hard to stay afloat.
0: I think the only thing that you can unfortunately probably predict is that they're going to have an injury on defense at some point because they were really healthy there last year. Yep. So, so So something like that. All right, we are done. Garage Logic is next on 1500 ESPN from the State Fair. Stay tuned, people.